0: Today, we continue on with our Foundations teaching series. The goal of this series is to ask ourselves, what is solid and secure? What is foundational in a world that is rapidly changing? What can we depend on to build our worldviews and to build our lives? What's guiding us in this exploration are the words of the most ancient creed of the church, the Apostles' Creed. In previous weeks, we've looked at the opening lines of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. Today we come to the next line in this creed. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. Now you may be sitting there right now going, there's a bit of a disconnect for me. Palm Sunday is a day when we have the procession of palms, we have pageantry, we have this great music. Why is it we're talking about the suffering? Yes, that's coming, but that's a few days down the line. Why is it that we're going to be talking about that on the day when we're supposed to be celebrating Palm Sunday? It feels like there's a gap between what we're going to be talking about and what we're supposed to be talking about. But actually, this gap between what we think it should be and what is, uh, is embedded in the Palm Sunday story. We see this in the text that John read for us today as Jesus comes into Jerusalem. The crowd shouting, Hosanna, waving palm branches, acknowledging that they believe he is the Messiah. And Jesus is the Messiah. But then he gives them this sort of mysterious teaching where he talks about that he will be taken from them. He really predicts his death. He says that that he will be lifted up from them. And they are confused. They're like, no, no, no. This is what it's supposed to be. And you're doing this. There's a gap for the crowd in the story of what they think should be and what Jesus is actually doing of the Messiah that they want and the Messiah that they get. This tension is actually what I want us to to lean into today. And indeed, we did it a year ago. A year ago on Palm Sunday, we acknowledged this exact same tension. A year ago, we were moving on the downslope into what was at that point had just been named a global pandemic. It was becoming clear to us that this was more than just a few week interruption of our lives. There was a lot of fear, there was a lot of uncertainty. And we asked you on Palm Sunday one year ago to live in that disconnect of what we think God should be doing in that time and what God was actually doing. And we invited you to consider what God was doing through the use of some questions by Ruth Haley Barton. One of those questions can appear on your screen now. Something is over the last year, I know I have thought about quite a bit. Ruth Haley Barton said this, God, what are you doing in all this and how can I join you in it? What are you doing in all this and how can I join you in it? She said, this is the way that Christians should posture themselves on Palm Sunday as we're moving into a global pandemic. You see, in the text, it's not that God's not doing something. He's just not doing what the people expect him to do. She says that on this Sunday, on Palm Sunday, where there's this gap of what we expect and what is, how do we tune our minds and our hearts and our eyes and our our, our ears? How do we attune ourselves to the fact that God is doing something, and how do we join him in it? That's framed for me a question that I've kept asking as we've walked through the last year of a pandemic. Lord, what are you doing in the middle of all this, and how do I join you in it, rather than insisting you be what I think you should be? Today, Palm Sunday 2021, I want to actually bookend last year's Palm Sunday because we're on a different trajectory now. We see uh, hope uh, of of something new, of a reemergence we've talked about beyond the shutdown of COVID-19. And I want to ask the question, so what have we learned I think that's one of the most important questions we can ask right now. So what have we learned about what God was doing in the middle of this? And how do we still discipline ourselves to join him in the new thing that he's doing? Because see, if we don't do that, and this is such a critical time, then we're just going to default. You're hearing people use that language now when things go back to normal. I don't want to go back. Life wasn't this grand utopia 14 months ago. I want to be a part of something new that God is doing. This wasn't just a lost year where God was absent. God was doing something. It might not be what we expected. God was doing something in the midst of this pandemic. I want to be a part of a rebirth into something new. I don't want to go back. I want to go forward into something more glorious and beautiful than we've ever had before. And I think Ruth Haley Barton's question can still be what God says. God, what have you been doing in the middle of this? And how do we join you? What have we learned about that this year? Today and this week, that's what I want you to sit in. I want you to sit in that question. What have we learned and so that we don't just default to going back to normal, but that we participate in God making all things new? How How do we focus our attention on what has God been doing and how do we participate in that? I want you journaling about it, praying about it, thinking about it, pondering it, talking with your small group about it so that we can be a part of the thing God's doing. Now this, answering this question, so what have we learned and how do we want to keep joining God in things uh, is is contextual. It's individual to each person and each family. I can't tell you what your answer should be, but to to give us some ideas of how to think about this, I've outlined a few things that I'm thinking about of what I've learned and how I want to keep joining God and the thing that God is doing of birthing something new as a result of the last 12 months. I want to share these with you, not as the answer, but as a way of thinking about this in your own life and in your own journey and in your own story. First thing is this, who is greater than what? Who is greater than what? If you think about before the pandemic, we organized our days and organized our years and organized our lives around what? What do I need to do today? What needs to happen at work? What meetings are taking place? What do we need to do in terms of the kids thriving? What carpools need to be done? What permission slips need to be signed? What vacations are we gonna take? What do we need to do on those vacations so that we don't lose people in boredom? What are the appropriate rules for social media? What are the ways that we limit screen times? Remember when that was a conversation? We organized our lives around what? And it created a crazy busy pace to life Was it all that fulfilling? No, but we were working hard at it. As things have dropped away in the course of the pandemic, what I think I've realized in my own life is I don't miss the activities nearly as much as I miss the people, the interactions. And that's a very biblical concept. Who is greater than what? Like many of you, the pain of this pandemic has been the separation from people that I love and my family loves in our story, in our journey, and I know there's many like this. We haven't seen our family, for example, in the UK, Beth's family in Wales, and coming up towards two years. We're hopeful to get to get over there this summer. We don't know if that's going to be logistically possible or not. But when we think about it, when we talk about it, we're not planning that time, if we can make it over there, around what are we going to do. That's how we used to think about it. The thing I want to do I wanna sit with my father-in-law in his back garden and spend an afternoon in conversation. That's what I miss. The who, not the what. What would it mean if that's a biblical concept, if you and I started organizing our days and organizing our time and organizing our lives around who rather than what? What if we started our days moving forward with the question of who? Who am I going to reach out to today? Who am I praying for today? Who am I going to write a letter to today? Who am I going to call on the phone today? Who am I going to invite out to coffee today? Who am I going to invite over for dinner this weekend? Who am I going to go on vacation with? Who do I want to travel with going forward in the future? Who, biblically, is greater than what, And I think God has been teaching us that this year. I don't want to default to the way it used to be. I want to join God in living out this biblical concept. Or take this one, for example. Number two, the church is not a building. The church is not a building. Now, this is something we said before, but, but, but COVID has, has reinforced and had to teach us of what it means to be church in a different way. And that's why it's so important that we said that, that the church never closed. We weren't able to come to a building like we were used to, but the church never closed because the church biblically is not a building. It's a community of people. We've had to figure out what it means to be church. And and that doesn't mean that we're not excited for this building to reopen and for it to be packed out again. And hopefully in the the months and the years ahead uh, in ways where we can worship God uh, in all kinds of ways. I mean, there is no one more excited than me for this. I am done preaching to a camera in an empty sanctuary. But if we just default to thinking of church as a place we go to for an hour on Sundays, we're gonna miss something because in the middle of this year, God has been weaving the church together in incredible new ways. Here at Covenant, we've been connecting in small groups which are thriving and Bible studies that are thriving, all these different ways that we've gathered in smaller community. We've seen people who aren't in Austin and aren't in Texas that are becoming a part of these avenues of Bible studies of small groups of of prayer ministries. uh, And and we're thinking of church in different ways. We might have people that are an active part of the life of this church who never set foot in this building. We're going to have to think about that and not walk away from that. If we just default to, to, to church as a building, we're going to lose something that God's done in the middle of this. And I want to join God in a rebirth of what it means even as this building reopens and the joy that will come with that. Church is not a building. i take this third one been thinking about this a lot. This came from a pastor friend of mine in Atlanta. We're on a phone call recently and he said this, and I have thought about it with conviction in my own life and in here at Covenant. He said, our political views are often shaped more by Fox and MSNBC than the Bible. That is a tough statement to figure out what it means. But the response of how we join God, if God's been teaching us this, to repent, and not just to sit and go, yeah, I know someone like that, because we normally think about people that oppose us and our worldviews. The repentant question, the confessional question that's asked in that is, how does that describe me? Do I really know what the Bible says about justice? Do I really know what the Bible says about the kingdom? Do I really know what the Bible says about what creation is meant to look like, and how do I live into that and, and seek to align uh, public policy with a biblical worldview, or do I just really know the talking points of a network and have a little Jesus sprinkled on the top? Because there's not many things that I'll say with certainty, but I'll tell you this with absolute certainty. The kingdom of God is bigger than the talking points of Fox News, MSNBC, or any other network that you can think of. It is broader, more nuanced, more vast, more expansive. And we need a biblical worldview to continue to be shaped in us. And what that means for us as the church is something we're thinking a lot about going forward. Or maybe this last one. I've been thinking a lot about how God's taught me about the centrality of grace this year. I don't know if I might be the only one, but I've had so many moments in the last year where I've had to ask people to to show me grace for being grumpy, for being irritable, for being down, for being short-tempered. And it's like, man, it's just a hard time and we're not able to do what we wanna do and I could feel it weighing on me. And thankfully I've been surrounded by people who do show me grace. But I keep seeing us becoming more and more strident in our society around a kind of Puritan ideal of of how to think and it's uncompromising. And the Bible describes it really clearly as legalism and legalism in the end votes everyone off the island because no one's ever pure enough and it strangles life. As we have been recipients of grace, as I know I have needed grace and been aware of the grace I have needed through this pandemic, I think we need to continue to think about what it means to be a dispenser of amazing grace to this world, to those we know, to those we don't, to those we agree with, to those we don't, that we just need to be people who are giving out with great freedom and joy what we are so aware of our own need for. As our God is not a God of legalistic systems, but a God of grace. These are some of the things I'm thinking about, but what I invite you to think about is this disparity that we see in the core of Palm Sunday between what is and what should be. And rather than insisting on God be the God we want, how do we, as Ruth Haley Barton invited us to do, say, God, what are you doing in this? Because you're doing something on Palm Sunday. You're doing something as we move towards the suffering under Pontius Pilate. And I wanna go join you in the work that you are doing in this world for a rebirth into something new, not a default to going back to normal. Whatever your response is, your answer is to that. I want you to know I look forward to taking that journey ahead with you. Amen and amen.